mic check one two welcome back to on the number episode four episode four is it episode four yes it's episode four i hope you've had a good couple of weeks pj tour has provided us some excitement that's for sure um i didn't really pay much attention to vegas but i saw the martin laird one someone from the uh the bald team so i like to see that <laughs> and then last week before that um sergio in mississippi that was friggin' awesome i've always been a sergio fan yes he said some stupid things he's done some stupid things over the years but he's an awesome guy he is an absolutely awesome guy and it's great to see him pull off a win and the way that he did that tournament was really really fun to watch down the stretch and she's that shot he hit on uh, on 18 was pretty damn impressive and then this past weekend it's weird corn fairy ended but like there's no graduating because of what this year this covid year is orange county national i'm surprised they played panther lake i would have thought they would have played um crooked cat it's the better course at orange county but they played panther lake and um, Trey Mullinax pulled it off with a dub. But it's not like it changes anything for these guys next year. The only thing that would have happened, I think, was the battlefield promotion on the Corn Ferry this year for someone to advance winning three times. So pretty much all of these players have status for next year. Which, I mean, typically the Corn Ferry starts in, what, January, February in the Bahamas? Don't think that's going to happen a hard time believing that they're going to go to the Bahamas. Travel is not going to be happening for a while. I'm supposed to play a pro-am in Ireland in April, and I don't even have high hopes that we'll be able to travel to Ireland come April. But that's just my opinion. And speaking of opinions, Matt Fitzpatrick getting a lot of heat. He's getting a lot of heat from what he said about Bryson and it not being skill what he's doing um to be honest i don't really care what players say about other players i think it's just media looking for stuff and then because of twitter other players can chime in and the way that bryson handled it was was awesome he's like i mean because fitzpatrick didn't like shit on him fitzpatrick just said like i don't think it takes a lot of skill you just put on a bunch of weight swing faster and and he said, I, if I wanted to, I, I could do that. And I think, obviously, the context we don't completely understand. But Bryson, I mean, he just said, yeah, if you want to do it, like, I'll help you. Like, ask me some questions. And that's awesome. Like, I think that speaks huge to Bryson, his growth as an individual in these last couple of years. Because he got so much heat for some of the things he's done and said in the... Um, in the last year or two, but he's he's class. I really am a Bryson fan. Um, but Fitzpatrick, man, people, I mean, Justin Thomas chimed in. It's just really interesting how one particular thing someone says, I mean, it's always been like this. I remember Poulter said it about, you know, Tiger, when, there, when we're on our game, there's only me and him. And then Patrick Reed said something where he's a top five player in the world and everybody loved to shit on that. And then you think Stephen Ames said something back in the day before Tiger drummed him nine and eight in the match play. It's just one of those things. It's part of our sport. 
take it for what it's worth. I don't particularly care. A lot of people, ooh, 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 what do you think? Ooh, can't believe you said that. Who, who gives a shit, really? It doesn't matter, but maybe that's just me in my older age. I'm getting a little more relaxed about things because, quite frankly, it's all bullshit. We care too much about what people think right now, and especially with what's going on, it's all, oh, this person said this and this person said that. Just watch golf and enjoy it. Just watch golf and enjoy it. That's my opinion. Um, typically, would read some comments from last week's episode, but I don't think there are any comments from last week's episode, which kind of bums me out. I thought we had a great chat. I hope people are still listening to this podcast. I'm putting a lot of work into it <laughs> for people to not be listening. I don't know, but we go. We pull it up here with ports. No comments, no time for shout-outs, bummer, 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 but um, yeah, so that's a little segment of the show that we're not doing, damn it, hopefully people are listening to this, I know I'm pushing, we'll get it on Spotify, we'll get it on iTunes soon enough, but it's on the Short Par 4 app right away, and speaking of the app, actually yesterday, the magazine episode 2 was launched, so um, if you want to check the magazine out, Municipal Clothing, James O, Mark Wahlberg, a lot of cool stuff. So give the magazine a check out if you haven't um, on the app. The first episode, the first episode, man, I'm an idiot. The first issue of the magazine was um, was pretty cool, though. Like, it's literally just a magazine on the app. I'm showing it to the camera, but the podcast, you can't see me do that. So, interesting. But here we go. Talking whiskey. Oh, it talking municipal and like not an ad i got a few pieces from municipal i i'm, I'm geeking out i bought a few pieces and i freaking love them so really really cool stuff and i'm a big Wahlberg fan always have been the fact that he's started a clothing company that's kind of like this mix between gym clothing and clothing you can wear out and about it's pretty dope i'm actually looking at this now i'm pumped to give this a read <laughs> Um, yeah, what else has been going on? What else has been going on? I've got a great interview today. Like the other, the other two interviews, no, no slouches, no disrespect. This one is a lot of fun. This one is with Brad Fritch, Corn Ferry Tour winner. He also won Corn Ferry Q School, Canadian from Ottawa, from my hometown. We tell some great stories of the Canadian tour days when Brad played on the Canadian tour before I did. And then when we played on the Canadian tour together, when we traveled together, there's a lot of laughs in this episode, in this interview. Um, I'm really happy with it. I hope I can have Brad on many times because we have a lot of fun. We've known each other for a long, long time. Brad is a funny guy, very dry humor, great follow on Twitter, just a great, great guy. This 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 interview is is special. It's really really special. And um, like every interview right now, it is sponsored by or brought to you by Short Par Four. If you're listening to this on the Short Par Four app, but you're not a member of Short Par Four, what are you waiting for? Shopping for golf clothing and paying full price—they both suck. So Short Par Four wants to take care of that for you. They want to curate a box of clothing for you every month based specifically on your style and your preferences and you're paying like more than half of what you would pay for it in retail. 
It's an incredible service. It's a surprise every month what you're going to get in the box. It's golfers that make these boxes. So you're not getting stuff by some person who doesn't know anything about golf and is just picking pieces. You're getting pieces from people who play golf, who understand how you want to look on the golf course, and then all the little little kit and caboodle, the extra things that they add in the boxes are awesome little touches, golf gloves, hats, socks, poker chips, all these things that they understand golfers can use and then forget about and don't purchase and all these things. So the short par four service is out of this world. And if you haven't signed up, please sign up, give it a try. You can use my code AJ20, gets you 20% off your first box. And if you want to try it out, I I promise you your first box is going to be more than worth it it's going to blow your mind you're going to be so stoked about it so if you're listening to this and you're not a member of short par 4 give it a try 20 percent off with my code aj20 and now let's enjoy an incredible chat with the one and only brad fritch brad welcome to the show you've got your your cup and a backup cup i'm so but aren't you a bojangles guy no, you can't be a Bojangles guy for too long and live to tell about it. So That's true. I've known you've always been a Chick-fil-A guy. And I've even had I've had people message me that like, I think I saw Brad at Chick-fil-A, but I didn't want to say something. Like as they were like passing through the Raleigh area. <laughs> Very possible. <laughs> the mayor, the uh the self-proclaimed official mayor, unofficial mayor of Holly Springs, North Carolina. <laughs> at least on that little corner of uh Oh, highway where the Chick-fil-A is. Yes, that's great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I uh, have been fortunate enough to go to that Chick-fil-A with you. This is probably 10 years ago. Yeah, 2010. Because what was your first year on the web? Uh, First year was 2007. And then? And then after a couple of years and losing status, 2012 was my next, um, my next go around. Yeah, because it was the... Yeah, maybe it wasn't 2010 when I was down there. Because I think you had... No, there was... And, and I think you had just come back from South America. That would have been 12 then, for sure. No, it couldn't have been 12, because that was when I like was out of the hospital and I was in Toronto. <clears throat> maybe 2011? That's possible. I wouldn't have been on the web then, though. I was, that was, would have been doing e-golf stuff. And okay, maybe it was 2011. And all that, yeah. Because you, I think you only had your daughter. When did you have your daughter? Oh, nine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because 2010, it was it was 2011. Because I think that's when I went and I played a few Hooters Tour events in the Charlotte area. But I came down to spend a few days with you to kind of warm up before going over to Charlotte. Yeah, that's what it is. Because I've introduced Brad and his backstory a little bit. But Brad and I go way back to the... Good old days in Manitick, Ontario. Brad, actually, but you're you're my sister's age, and then your younger brother and I are closer in age, so we played all of our junior golf together. But then I remember when I wanted to turn pro, you were the you were my like mentor who I could ask questions to and get research done with because that didn't exist in 2007. Like finding stuff on how to turn pro, um, like it does now. Like you can find a little bit of stuff online or you have people that make videos or, t- or write stuff about it. It's a little bit easier, the process of turning pro, but the financial side of it is still just as difficult now as it was then. I would imagine of guys trying to 
put together packages for investments and, and all of those things. Cause that seems to be something that's super like people don't share those things. Yeah, no, they don't. Uh, not as much anymore. I had kind of a template from, uh, I think it was years and years before um, I turned pro, which was 2001. Yeah. And I had a couple guys uh, in Ottawa helping me kind of with the process. And I think it's very different now. Like you can get your name out on social media yeah. in five seconds. And, you know, just an example I saw today that uh, the guy, the Monday Q uh, info yep. guy yep. all of a sudden has a has some one of his followers is offering to pay for one guy's Monday qualifiers for all of next year. Yeah, it's really cool. What and so, Ryan and that's just like up. boom like that, right? Yeah. And, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think there were four or five hotel rooms that were taken care of by his followers. It's really cool, and and that obviously didn't exist when no. you or I started. We had to it was kind of like a boots on the ground type thing. You know, yeah. I remember walking into many guys places of work and asking for a thousand bucks, 2000 bucks. And this is what happens if I make it big in the, in a couple of years and I didn't make it anywhere for my first couple of years. So it was kind of like a donation and a, a tax write off. And, and, yeah. and most guys I think were kind of happy to do it. They played with me on and off at Rideau view in Manatech. And then they just wanted to help me out. Um, which was nice because the first couple of years were very, very lean in terms of yeah. uh, <laughs> financials. Well, because I remember looking, so I was turning pro in the fall of 2007 and like you and I had always stayed in touch over the years because we all have the same kind of group of golf friends back home. And like one of our closest friends connecting us, like I grew up with, played call, was went to school with. Um, but I remember like I would, I pulled up all your years on the Canadian tour and just saw how you like progressed a little bit each year. And like, that was, I turned pro with a business plan, a five-year plan, like, you know, and you're like in year one, I anticipate just to keep my card on the Canadian tour and learn, you know, and learn. And then year two, it's this place on the money list. And like, couldn't be further from the truth. Like you can't predict at all what it was going to be like. And for me, it was a huge, I don't know. Was it like that for you? Cause we came from an area where like par was pretty good in all of our tournaments and in all of our Quebec amateur stuff. But then going out on the Canadian tour par could have made cuts, but it was like right on the edge of making cuts. Yeah. Um, so my, my tagline for what I tell people is I didn't break par before I went to college. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I wasn't very good. I was lucky to walk on where I did. Um, and then I got better and you know, the, the amateur stuff, you know, you started, I started breaking par and I won, uh, one event and I medaled at the Canadian AM, uh, still didn't know what going really low was like. And then I think the first, the first time that I got a good idea of it was at the Eagle Creek tournament on the Canadian tour. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who doesn't know Eagle Creek is, is one of the better golf courses in the Ottawa area. And growing up, it was like, Oh my God, I have to go to Eagle Creek today. Yeah, it was intimidating. Hard at the time. Now, you know, with distance gains and the Pro V1 and all that, it's it's kind of not a pushover, but it's not that hard anymore, I wouldn't think. But it was driver off every par four, a couple of unreachable par fives, just really difficult golf course, right? And I think the the winning score my first year as a Canadian Tour member was something like 24 or 25 under par. Yeah, I think Oberholzer 
the last year won it that many under like like blew my I shot uh, 7368 to make the cut on the number minus three uh, and I was so happy right and then yeah. blew my brains out on the last two days and made four hundred dollars <laughs> that's my whole but, tour career like, you don't know until you get there and then it's it's almost like you just have to accept like oh it's really not that hard and you just have to either you can do it or you can't and it's a learning curve of being able to do it but my view of golf courses has always been well besides the week that the tournament is there there's 51 other weeks in the year and people play it and they break par there so obviously it's not that hard yeah you just have to do it in a tournament setting when all your senses are kind of dialed up to 11 um and that's what it is to play pro golf right like you have to be able to play in a tournament as well as you can play at home with your buddies yeah and that's like for me that's where i've completely lost it like my game is as good if not better than it's ever been but my comfort zone is making youtube videos now and now when i go and try and play a tournament coming off an injury probably didn't help breaking a limb i don't know that's not the best thing for your golf game but like you said like your senses are all heightened and i just i'm not comfortable there anymore and you just make bogeys it's unbelievable how easy it is to make bogeys when you're just not sharp and like you're exposed so quickly and and the game is getting better and better and better and better. It's it's wild. It's crazy how good uh, I call them the young guys. I mean, yeah, some of them might not be young. They might be, you know, late twenties, early thirties, which in golf now is just not that, that young anymore because kids are ready to play right out of college. And, uh, it, it's it's very trying as a 42 year old to think I should be able to keep up with them physically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I can do it mentally and I can do it on the whole on the scorecard, but I hate hitting second or third in my group because the first guy inevitably, you know, he's hitting it 320, 330, and I'm like, oh, just stay stay in your lane. Yeah. Right? Like, and I mean, you're no slouch. You that far. <laughs> like you, you move it. You always have. Not, I mean, comparatively now, no. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I'd be below average now, um, especially carry distance. And I've gotten kind of a little. I don't. I don't chase the distance. I'm almost. It's almost like I'm chasing the trajectory. Like, ah, oh, we want you to hit it this level. I've always been a guy that hit it flat. Yeah. <clears throat> and it would run out a lot. Yeah. Get the role. And and that's kind of frowned upon in kind of the ideal, um, you know, track man world. And I've kind of gotten away from uh, I'm used to seeing it go higher now. I have less role. I'm not sure if I really like that very much. Uh, so it's kind of, I'm kind of in a transitional period right now. I'm playing an 11 and a half degree driver right now oh. just so I can hit it up. Um, and I carried about the same distance as I always have, maybe a couple yards shorter, but I just don't get the roll. So I'm kind of in a transition of where i don't i don't know what to do i don't know what's best for me um right now i it's okay like it's fine but being around all these guys who move it so much it's kind of disconcerting it's kind of you have to have your mental game on another level when you're physically behind someone like a zach johnson has to be so strong in his own kind of self-confidence yeah and and mental game because he knows god he, this guy's flying at 40 by me all day 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I have to be better in every other aspect. And he's probably like in his head, he's like, yeah, I'm better than him in every other aspect. So I'll be fine. And that's why he's always like, he's never really been in jeopardy of finishing outside of, I mean, he makes the playoffs and like, it's, it's never, never a doubt, never a question. Um, so did you do a lot of that? Like during like this COVID kind of break, like working on those things? Um, no, it kind of went back to last year. I went to the Titleist uh, <clears throat> uh, Center in California for for a day, and he just kind of showed me. Well, this is this is you. This is kind of where we want to be. How do we get there? Um, a good thing is I'm hitting it better now than I was back then. So it's kind I can kind of you know meet in the middle almost uh, in terms of what I'm trying to do with driver, but. No, COVID, I, just, I played a lot. Yeah. Um, the, the golf course here was booked. <clears throat> booked it's crazy. Every day, yeah. Like, you couldn't get a time from 8 to 5.30. It was booked solid. You know, kids are playing a lot more since they were out of school. Yeah. They were at home, so they were playing, too. Um, we got a pretty big membership. I'm not sure how many members, but plenty to, to fill the golf course. And so it was uh, it, it was fun because, you know, you could get a game whenever you wanted and 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 guys were trying to play every day so everyone was actually playing well it wasn't like yeah. once or twice a week so it was fun to play even with some members we got a good membership uh in terms of players so there's a couple couple groups that were like no we're not doing strokes we're not doing anything we're just playing i'm like okay i'll i'll take that bet yeah. <laughs> hopefully hopefully nine times out of ten i'll come out on the winning side of that one uh but it's been um i guess we had i was in phoenix uh, with my parents for a couple days and then was going to do Monday, Monday qualifiers in Louisiana and right in between that, uh, they canceled everything. So I just flew. Yeah. So about March 14th, I think. Yeah. It was my kid's birthday, actually my son's birthday, which I actually got home for, which was cool. Uh, but yeah, March 14th to about June 10th, I think was the, the time that golf was off. Um, uh, so just, we had a lot of work to do. The last couple of years have been not good ball striking wise. And that's kind of my, that's my thing. It has to yeah. be. So your um on the number uh, podcast name was <laughs> applicable to my game yeah. for uh, like 2000, end of 2016, then 2017, 18, 19. I was just, you know, it was all I could do to get to around cut lines you know, I, I made some cuts in that time where I, after 36 holes, look at my caddy and I'm like, whoa, that was really good. And I made yeah. it on the number. <laughs> because yeah, it's it's a, it's unbelievable. All. Like I know Ryan from the Monday Q Info, he uses this quote from Cliff Kresge a lot. I played with Cliff for the first time in like a swing thought event this summer. And he's like, it's far more stressful to like have to make par or birdie on the last two holes to make a cut or get through a qualifier than it is to win a tournament. Because like when you're, when you're trying to have a chance to win a tournament, you're playing well. Yeah. But when you're like fighting to get into the weekend, it's stressful. Yeah. yeah because you're already playing just okay. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you know, firing on all cylinders. Um, and that's actually true. That's interesting you say that because I never thought of it, but the tournament I did win on the Corn Ferry Tour uh, in, on 18 in regulation, and then we played the 18th hole again in the playoff, and I just hit two of the greatest shots I've hit from the mm-hmm. par 5 without even 
thinking about it. Yeah. Just said, all right, you're playing good. Just hit it and did both times and, and came out perfect. But I've had numerous times in, uh, you know, trying to make cuts on the 18th hole, you know, you could have an eight or a nine iron and, you know, miss it in the, on the fringe or in a bunker or just in the rough. And you're like, well, that was from the middle of the fairway with an eight. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> you know, but it's the way you're playing, you know, and you can't, can't really do anything about it except try your best, but it's just kind of the circumstance in which you find yourself. I'm trying to think the first year. So man, it's crazy how fast time goes. Like Brad and I were talking last week and I'm like, you've been married 10 years, right? He's like, no, 13. You're like, holy cow, time flies. So the first year that you graduated the PGA tour, wasn't that web tour championship? Like you, where did you finish? Uh, so the first year, so end of 2012, yeah. uh, finished like web.com to our money list. Yeah. So going into that, like, let's say weekend, you kind of knew that you would get through or did you, was it that same feeling of like, okay. So I was, I think I was 20, 21st going into that week. Yeah. I remember you were like right around. It was a 60 player field, uh, no cut. So you could already take kind of last place money and apply it, which, oh, I did. I did all the math. Yeah. <laughs> you are good. You're good with numbers. Um, Athletic scholar or academic scholarship. You're good with numbers. I, I figured something had to go really wrong to fall out um, because I was making a little bit of money guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I spent the first two days. I think I played with the 20. 25, 24, 22. So I played with the 22nd and the 20th. So I was 21st, so I played with number 20 and number 22. Yeah. And God, I played like match play with them in my head for <laughs> two days. And at the end, I'm like, okay, this is dumb. Like, you're already in a good position. Just play. And I think I finished ninth. And so I moved up to uh, 18th on the on the money list. Yeah. But again, like just the weakness mentally to kind of like just take care of your own business, right? Yeah. Uh, that that's what I should have been doing for 72 holes. I did it for 36 and the final yeah. 36, which was probably the most. Important. Yeah. You had a good weekend. I remember that, but I guess it's one of those things. Like I get a ton of questions having kind of transitioned into the, where my, you know, my job in golf now. And I get so many questions about like, you know, people that want to turn pro and how, and like where their game needs to be at. But like you said, there, like stick to, but you were in a situation that you've never been in before. So like, how do you know what to do? Correct. And that's, that's kind of the tough thing. Like you can't, it's a situation a lot of times in the professional game. You only really know how to do it if you've done it before, fail or succeed. And that's one of the really, really difficult things. But then I'm sure you can relate as well. Like when, the more times you screw it up, you just develop scar tissue and then it just becomes that much harder to overcome it the next time, like for, I mean, I can personally, for me, like the handful of competitive rounds that I try to play now, like I'm struggling to break 80 yeah. and it's like, I'm aware of that, but not concerned about it. But yet, lo and behold, here we are sit through 12 holes, sitting at like five over par. And you're like, it's it, the scar tissue in the professional game is, is so it's something that you can't, it's really hard to, to convey to people. And then not to mention teach or coach or prepare someone for 
Yeah, I think where it can help is to have someone with you from the beginning, uh, someone trained, someone you trust to kind of walk you through some of the emotions you might go through. And you're not going to know the emotions until you experience them for the first time. And you probably haven't, like you said, when you're in a position where you haven't been before, well, how, how do you know how, how you're going to feel? Um, so that that's always going to be something new that you have to deal with. But having a process is one of the ways to overcome or, or deal with those type of emotions. Um, and it doesn't have to be like, I don't mean a pre-shot routine. I don't mean um, a, a certain way of thinking other than kind of a broad outlook where it's like, I'm not going to live and die with this show. Yeah. I'm not going to live and die with this tournament result. I want to look to where I'll be in the next 10 tournaments. I want to, this is from Henry Brunton of yeah. Canada from years and years ago, uh, team Canada. Camp. Like, I don't want to talk about where you're going to be in the next 10 tournaments. I want to talk about 25 tournaments, a hundred tournaments. Like, it's great if you win the next two and advance to somewhere in your career, but this is a career. It's not a, I'm worried about next year. Um, and if I'm not good enough next year, then I'm going to quit. If that's, if that's kind of a mindset going into it, I think you're more likely to fail, uh, than not. Yeah. That's one of the tough that, things. That type of self-induced pressure. There's enough pressure in this game, you know? Yeah. Um, and and we all have pressures in our life that that add to it. Uh, golf is really hard. So <laughs> the more kind of long term you can look at it, and the more you know, you have to have patience with yourself, um, and you have to have people to fall back on. Like I said, a, a, a process of thinking kind of long term, not worrying about oh my god I missed this cut. Well, okay, you know, go as soon as you miss a cut put your entry in for the next event. If it's a mini tour event Uh, on the corn Ferry tour, then, you know, you're just on to the next event kind of, that's just what you do. Uh, But you, I spent a lot of time in the last couple of years looking at, you know, Oh, where do I have to be? Where do I have to finish? Who played well? That's behind me. That might shuffle up Mm -hmm. on the priority list. And my God, you can spend hours doing that. And it's just a waste. It's a waste. It really is. It it bleeds out so much. I remember my first, like my second and third and fourth years playing when I was really struggling with cash. I can recall, you know, taking showers and just thinking about, okay, where do I need to finish to like break even this week? And all this, it it already is just creating so much pressure on this golf. To go back to what you said earlier, that like fifty, all these other weeks of the year, you would just play it just fine. But now this particular round or tournament has all of these implications. And like the financial side is, is one of those things that it's so hard. Cause I remember when you turn, when I turned pro and you had kind of given me your framework, you had people backing you for three years. My backing was for one year. So, and I, I had full status on the Canadian tour. So it was that mentality of like, you missed the cut. It's okay. Next week. It's okay. Next week. But all the while it was like, I hadn't in the back of my mind, what my sponsors told me, keep your status and we'll keep backing you. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> that's so hard. I mean, for your first year out there and, and not having ever experienced that, that's tough. But that's- one of the things that I tried to do, and this is, I think it, it, it helped a lot, but it also made it a lot of fun as I 
try to seek out wisdom of veterans basically because like i think because i grew up following your footsteps so to speak and knowing you well and knowing steve well and just being part of the same kind of group if you will i always look to you and then i could ask you questions but my first year on the canadian tour you were on the web so i found like craig matthew who is another one of canada's best amateurs ever and like Derek gillespie i found these guys where i their brains but then you're like learning from their mistakes and vice versa. And then when you came back to the Canadian tour, it was like, we, we traveled together, we'd room together. So I'm learning stuff, but also I think you're having a bit more fun because you're doing things with guys that have already been there and already done it. So like you can feel a bit more comfortable in a, in a place where you've never been because you're with someone who's been there, for example, whether it's just location or tournament, you know what I mean? And I think, that's like a huge piece of advice that, I mean, I don't know what young guys are like now. It seems like they kind of all kind of come up together and travel together. I don't know if they pick the brains of veterans anymore. I don't, I really don't know. Yeah. I think the learning curve is so much more consolidated for the young guys. Now it's like, they don't even, they, they've been brought up in a, you know, they've been getting free stuff from the club companies yeah. as juniors and in college and they're, you know, their college teams traveled to four different countries to play and like, they kind of already know the deal. Yeah. We've been pseudo professionals for a year or two before they turn pro. But it's Uh, almost like, I feel a little bit, maybe it's just nostalgia or like romanticizing it. Like I look back at those years in the Canadian tour for me and yeah, the golf sucked. I missed a lot of cuts. I lost my card every single year and would get it back. But I was literally just on the phone with a friend, you know, Derek Oakey. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I was literally just on the phone with Derek before talking to you and we were like having a laugh over some of the experiences in Mexico. Like, Oh yeah. Like there's so many fun memories and I don't know if you kind of that coming up the ranks, same thing as NHL, like Brad and I are huge hockey fans, like guys that come up in, in the, the OHL or then have to play maybe the A or the ECHL, like they have these memories that kind of, will last a lifetime, but also have, even if it all ends and you don't achieve your goal, you have these, it's not just golf course, hotel, repeat, golf course, hotel, repeat. Right. Like I remember you telling me, you're like, cause you drove across Canada for your That's first year. Yeah. And so, and I remember I did. And you're like, don't ever do it again. <laughs> like Canada's a big fucking country. It's very big. Um, you may, you know, sometimes if you drive past 10 o'clock, you're not going to find what you're looking for. Um, yeah. You know, in terms of hotels and yeah, my negotiation skills got pretty good. It's like, how much for a room? 65. Can you do 60? Yeah, we can do 60. Okay. Thank you. Like that doesn't exist anymore either. Um, because you can yeah. book everything online. I would have everything booked now anyway, but, um, yeah, I think to your point, you have more experiences in the, the minors than you do. Yeah. In, on on the big tour and the NHL or whatever whatever your sport you're playing, um, but those are good those are good memories. I think nowadays I'm not going to say it's all like carrying my the kid carrying his trackman like a briefcase to the course, yeah, 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 and doing push-ups in his room and going to bed. It's not exactly that, but it's kind of there's a little bit less a uh, little less fun maybe to it. Well, and especially with like the advent of Airbnb, 
And I think with mini tour golf kind of getting smaller, like it used to be a pretty good thing. The third tier of, of tour where bigger events, your e-golf, your Hooters, your gateway, like they would have private housing, just like the Canadian tour, just like the corn Ferry, And like those experiences and stories are a blast. You meet people that you never thought you would, and you have memories, you have friendships, but now with the advent of Airbnb, you, you don't like, you're just kind of like Brad and I have many funny stories from being on the road, but like one in particular, we roomed together in, in Fort McMurray, yep. Alberta in 2011. I got into the tournament Tuesday morning. So I flew out like Tuesday night, played a practice round and like had nowhere to stay. But you had asked your like host family, like, Hey, can a friend of mine stay? So all I had was a mattress in the room that you were in that we had to put behind the door. It was the yeah, only was place for the mattress. Like little closet space, but it wasn't set up to be a closet. Like it had no shelves or anything like that, but it looked like at one point it should be a closet. And yeah. You were in the, yeah, on the mattress in there. That was, uh, that's what you had to do, that especially was, in a town like that. I mean, small, yeah. small town, but everything was super expensive because, yeah. uh, you know, it was in the oil patch and, and they make so much money there that I think the um, <clears throat> the the thing was they couldn't get anyone to work at Tim Hortons for $20 an hour because it wasn't enough money. Jeez, that, I that, know. Like, it, it, they just make a lot of money there because they're in the oil fields. Um, but that was, <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Because that was, because you, then that was when you told me like that bed has a name for it. That's the camp bed. That's <laughs> so... Andrew and I have this friend, Nick, uh, and he caddied for me in Montreal one year, and we were having some trouble. I think we were either three to, three or four to a room, and I'm like, all right, Nick, I'm not going to sleep with you. Let's figure this out. And so <laughs> on the front desk, and it's guy's French, but he can speak English, so he's got the accent, and he goes, well, we have no, we have no cots or rollaway beds, but I have invented something. <laughs> It is called a camp bed. And I'm like, well, great, let's bring it up. And so he brings it up and it was just, instead of three blank or one blanket, it was three blankets folded together. <laughs> instead of one sheet, there were three sheets. And instead of one pillow, there were three. So he tripled, you know, the, um, he, he tripled the number of blankets and, and he said he invented this. <laughs> it was called the camp bed. And I'm like, okay, pal, that's, pat yourself on the back <laughs> and go back to the front desk. Thank you very much. It was but, like uh, our friend Nick lives in Toronto and like yes. I've stayed on his couch a handful of times for the Toronto Canadian tour events or my Great Lakes tour events. And Oh, it's a comp bed. Think of that. You're saying you're sleeping on a couch trying to play a tournament. Yeah. Uh, that's rough. That's, it is. That's not ideal. No, right? <laughs> but it's like you're staying with, <clears throat> or family like you're staying in a, it's a comfortable environment even though it's a couch or a spare room yeah. versus like us a lonely hotel room like it, it you know take your pick yeah not to mention the difficulties that if bad golf is 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 kind of your thing at that time like if you're just by yourself it is difficult but if you have you are staying with friends or family or a host family that's really nice. Like you can kind of turn your brain off a little bit and enjoy just a bit of company or food or home cooked meal. Like, yeah, I, that's something that I think we were lucky and I'm sure it, it exists to an extent on the corn ferry still. I, I, I don't know. I don't know actually. Like if 
billeting and host housing and no they do um and it's not allowed at this very moment yeah not allowed because of covid but <clears throat> yeah I, I did that i probably would do it about half the time if I, I was out there last year and did about maybe a little less than half but still if we're going to the same places i look mm-hmm. up the same people and, and i keep in touch with a bunch of a bunch of them you know and you never would have met them except for playing golf yeah. tournaments well, like my very first Canadian tour event was in Modesto, California, and the people that uh, I was staying with, like completely my first tournament event, I'm professional, do home host housing, billeting, and I get into this place. It's a little gated area behind the golf course. This house is enormous. I have an elevator to my bedroom, and this couple, unbelievable couple, I miss the cut. They have a house on the Monterey Peninsula. They're like, well, do you want to, I don't know, maybe you want to practice. Like, do you want to come down and, and play Monterey MPCC? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. So like we drove down MPCC, played. I saw Pebble. We drove around Pebble and it was like, this is the, this is the Canadian tour. Like I missed the cut. Big deal. Like this was a blast. Yep. And then obviously they weren't always like that because the next week was stocked in California. That's a rough area. <laughs> and then you go to Mexico and we Canadian tour in Mexico. Every Canadian tour player has Mexico stories. Oh, yeah. Sure. Like, going back to what you said earlier, three, four in a room. Brad and I stayed together in Mazatlan, just the two of us. Brad likes the hotel room at about 55 degrees when he's, <laughs> when he's sleeping. <laughs> It's a bit cold for me. <laughs> was that uh, was that El Cid? No, the old Mazatlan. The one right across the street from the hotel? Yeah, yeah El Cid Resort. Oh, that was El Cid? Yep. Yeah, where you walk across the kind of street bridge above to get to the golf course. Yeah, and the front nine was like new, modern. The back nine was... About as narrow as you'll ever play a... Yeah, we, we the do, golf if you're carrying life. your clubs, you have to walk sideways through the fairway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But again, like that, <laughs> that event, literally like two days before we got there, like the gas station had like a cart cartel fight blow up. Like there's some experiences, but then that event, like we're, you know, you're trying to save money. We find this, was it, what was Chris's last name? I'm I'm blanking his last name from New Mexico. Chris, not Wood, who we stayed with oh, the next uh, week. Oh God. Yeah. Um, called him Waldo. Chris Wall. Chris Wall, yeah. So he, um, we stayed, the three of us, in a room the next week in Puerto Vallarta, but we found like a budget airline in Mexico because Chris Wall in the Pro-Am played with like an exec who flies this airline. And everyone had to go from Mazatlan to Puerto Vallarta through Mexico City. Like a 10-hour day. Yeah. So we found this flight that was like an hour and a bit but it's like a six seater plane. It was 90 bucks. Probably everyone I think was, it was like $90. Yeah. We told one other, we told Jim Secchi about it. So he, cause they, they flew the day before it to test it for us. And then they messaged us. Okay. It's, it's safe. But then when we get there, there's three of us and I think three or four more, but like with our golf clubs and our luggage, they were like no English, super concerned that this might be too heavy. Yeah. Brad so, is flying shotgun. <laughs> There's no co-pilot. What I remember was showing up to the airport and basically at the same time as the rest of the tour. So they're checking in at yeah. <clears throat> whatever, Aero Mexico. And I'm like, where is our 
little desk and we see it and there's nobody there and about 10 minutes before we're supposed to fly yeah someone shows up we loaded our own stuff on so i'm like okay so it's not a scam <clears throat> we don't have to go through security we just walk through the back door of the office behind the check-in desk and walk straight out onto the runway <laughs> <laughs> no, no tsa here and we're dragging all our stuff to the to the plane i'm like this is not the plane <clears throat> this is not the plane it's like yeah. tourism planes and like so, propeller propeller plane. so we get on and i they just tell me to keep going and go up to the front and it says no touch <laughs> the front seat i'm like oh, i'm not gonna touch anything <laughs> and this little old guy gets in the in the pilot seat i think he was pretty old i can't remember uh and we basically flew above the beach it looked like and then some mountains probably like you know eight or ten thousand feet yeah. Like we weren't even up into the clouds, I don't think. Nope. No. And we like skimmed the mountains. Yeah, like it was, That was one of those things for 60 minutes that I was thinking I just don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't. Like, I have some photos cuz I mean back like you know you had your 2 megapixel camera or whatever and they're in my computer somewhere. Like I have some pictures of Brad thumbing up like hey Brad if he goes down if he has a stroke you're going to you're going to handle this yeah. like oh yeah for sure. So, but we get to Puerto Vallarta eight hours before everybody else. Right. So exactly. we got to go play the course. Yeah. But I remember the three of us were staying together and this golf course, the host hotel we got, the host resort, we stayed in the adult only part of it. So we get into our room and there's the swans on the bed and the chocolate covered strawberries and the hearts because they, they basically set you up like it's a couple's retreat. Right. And Chris Wall sleeps on the couch and we each have a bed in our like romantic getaway for three. But those things are like, you'll, we'll never forget those things. No, I'll never forget that plane ride. I think <laughs> the one thing what like we, they made us stand on a weight scale before we yeah. <laughs> exited onto the runway and they weighed us all. So yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Cause yeah, we loaded our own golf clubs and they were super concerned that this plane was going to be too heavy because of, there was three of us because two guys flew the day before. Yeah. So, but hey, yeah, I kissed the ground when we landed. But those are things that, going back to what we said earlier, like they're just fun memories. And whether we played well or not that get that week, you had. I mean, that week was a special week. There's a lot of funny stories that week. Uh, yeah, probably not even suitable for any no. sort of podcast. I mean, anything goes on my podcast, but there's some really, <laughs> some really funny stories that happened that week. <clears throat> Poor guy. <laughs> Which she one? was a dude. <laughs> Which one? She was a dude. That's poor guy. <laughs> and this uh, was 2010, so a little different, little different world then. Yeah. No, that was. Uh, I remember that course. We pl- we kind of opened it. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were the first ones to play it and they didn't have a clubhouse and yeah. there was a one Porta John behind the range. That's and it. it. We, we got off the bus and walked 200 yards to the range and had to go about your day. Like yeah. you poked, it, snacked up and May in Mexico or yeah. April in Mexico. Yeah. Like it was a, one portalette for 150 guys. Like, I remember I used it before every round too. Oh. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do oh, I have to. I have to. And it, it's a sauna in there. It's a shit sauna. Yeah, it was, uh, but these are, I mean, this is 
kind of the deal, right? That's what you deal yeah. with on, on many tours. And never for, like you'll never forget that. No. I, I that was, I think, that's the only time I've ever fired a caddy that tournament. Cause I had the first, the first round, the first few holes, the guy unfortunately didn't know context. We get a lot of, we get volunteer caddies in Mexico. That's what we would in all the events. He didn't know what he was doing. He right. like walked in my line when my ball was rolling on like the second hole. And then, and I'm, uh, I'm young. I'm 2010. It's 2010. I'm still letting, and I wasn't healthy. Like I was letting so much get to me. I was furious with this guy. And I didn't know the two other guys I was playing with. Like they were other kind of category six guys that I young guys I hadn't met yet. And then like I started in the back nine. It would have been like the 13th hole maybe. I hit a tee shot into the woods, like deep into the woods. I'm like, okay, pr- provisional, but I'm not looking for this. So I'm I walk over to my ball, but I guess he wants to find this golf ball. So he goes while I'm like going to my ball he goes into the woods deep into the woods finds my ball picks it up and it's like no i have to play that thing now you can't just keep that golf ball like i I get it i understand like language no english nothing it's like oh thanks like a nine i made a nine or like i kevin nod it in those trees basically like i couldn't go anywhere I was like, okay, you can probably just go in. In the <laughs> nicest way, I was like, I'm okay. I grabbed it, and I was like, okay, no, 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 no mask. <laughs> and then eventually, I think they drove another caddy out to me like two holes later because you had to have a caddy according to that tournament. Not according to the tour, but according to that tournament. They had so many volunteers, and it was like I think, miscut, miscut. Yeah, that was one of the things that, back then annoyed me it was like you know you're forced to to pay for a caddy and they could cost you any number of ways oh yeah beyond just paying them like they cost you strokes they do something wrong you get a penalty and it was like who are we playing in front of like we don't need caddies and i like the way they do it now uh thursday friday you don't have to have a caddy and then if they have enough, even on corn ferry, like when you're no, 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 like Canadian tour, Canadian. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Corn ferry, I get it. You're on TV. It's yeah. you know, the next step in the PGA tour. There's PGA tour players playing. Yeah. Corn yeah. Ferry, and it's like, okay, totally fine. Get it. Caddies are definitely necessary, but guys who are traveling around the country or multiple countries with a carry bag, you can carry your own shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like you don't need to pay a guy 50 bucks around and, you get two penalty shots because he raked the bunker before you hit because he doesn't know any better. I mean, yeah. how does that happen? Or stood behind you while you hit all your shots. Yeah. Or and jump on the back of the cart. Yeah. Uh, to get a ride back to the tee. Um, yeah. And it not being a rules official, like all, all that stuff yeah. has happened so many times. And every time the entire field would think, why are we like, yeah, you shouldn't be penalized for that. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Force us caddies that can't, speak the language a lot of times like, yeah. you know in colombia or uh, mexico or whatever it's just kind of like yeah when, who when we, we were down there and i played in in chile like it was kind of sign like you kind of had to point things yeah, yeah. in experience but <laughs> when you're playing for money yeah it's the same thing as like you know you playing a mini tour event you we just played an event down here at uh plantation bay in ormond beach and they we were carts only because it was super wet but they're like we don't want you to walk it's a big walk members on holes 
telling us not to drive in water, like where the, the low lying areas. And it's like, yeah, we're not playing for money or anything. And you're literally walking up to every player in a car going, not to impose. Do you see those trier tracks? Don't drive over there. And then on the next hole, like, seriously, like, no, it's fine. We're not, it's not our job or anything. Yeah. And you're just kind of messing the flow up of it. But yeah hashtag mini tour problems i don't think that exists anymore <laughs> it does either but man those were uh that, that was a good uh was that a, a twitter account or or something that was uh, i like those yeah yeah but then in in the world that we've transitioned to it, it was too negative so uh had to be has to be a positive spin on yep no doubt mini tour journey but that's what my podcast is for let's tell all the bad stories of playing the mini tour golf I um I, I enjoyed those times and I think I have more memories of of those tournaments like the one in Mexico like the flight yeah. from Mazatlan to um, Puerto Vallarta yeah yeah that then you know I was a couple of weeks ago I was trying to think like oh, let me think of my round in Memphis that one year and I'm like totally draw blank I played there yeah. three times I love the golf course but I have no recollection of any shots that I hit um. Because you're too wrapped up in everything else when you're on. Yeah. At least when I was on the PGA Tour. Um, but I can remember those silly stories from the Canadian Tour like it was yesterday. Just yeah, that's like, great. It's one of those things that, like, I feel a lot of players miss out on it. Because what the McKenzie Tour has turned into now is not quite the same in terms of, like, the, the catch-all for players. Like, it's it's a lot of studs. And they're just kind of doing the same thing as the Corn Ferry. And then what, what mini-tour golf is now it's one and two day tournaments. Like it's not the same experience. Like I see a lot of, you know, Toronto area guys that turn pro and just play great lakes tour or Toronto players tour. And it's not the same, like the golf is testing yourself, but you're just playing one and two day tournaments. You're not getting, you it's not an experience. And right. I think, uh, you know, the Canadian tour right now is more of a business yeah. than it used to be. And it was kind of a summer vacation for about, you know, 30 to 40 guys who, somehow had status it's the way they did it they had yeah. veteran canadians and everything and they don't have that category now yeah um, but but guys who were just like yeah i'm gonna take the summer and play the canadian tour yeah you know and it was a lot of miscuts for for guys like that but the stories that they produced were <laughs> well there was one should we name should we name the name but there was one player who had a, a full article on score golf the cut tracker for years and years and years and as a veteran remember danny miovich they were counting how many miscuts in a row he had were they really yeah. jason logan i think had an account like he would be like and eh, at the end of his thing like the miovich cut tracker because he just played as a veteran because he had a great career in the right. 70s and 80s and yeah. just loved it great dude loved rolling with us but would miss cuts just like i would <laughs> could have had an andrew jensen miscut tracker it was, uh, I mean, I remember playing with a guy who was, he had to be 55 or 60. He would wear a tie and <laughs> a vest, Mis Miskolski, Terry Miskolski. You remember him? No, uh, luckily he, uh, it was bizarre, like, and, and never break 78. No. Yeah. Wow. I mean, you could have a young guy like, like you out there who's conditional status. Hey, let's get him in the event. No, we've got yeah. these guys who somehow, had status from years and years ago and, and they've, you know, they've kind of rectified that. Like you said, it's more, you know, aligned with the PGA tour. So it's more business-like and 
company, you know, to, to, to get out there now, even from Q schools is really difficult. Uh, it's, it's still, it, it's, it's just really competitive. I played a couple events there the last couple of years and, oh shit, I played with uh, Taylor Pendrith yeah. last year in Montreal. He's hitting his two iron past my driver probably. Just sickening length and it's like he's not even trying. It's crazy. He's on his it's way. even harder to, for Canadians to get out there now. Like much, much harder. Oh yeah. Like I remember the first year Canadian tour, um, there was a Canadian only Q school. Yeah, well, there was always like the fall was pretty much all Canadians. Yeah. Like that was, I mean, that's, that's a big... how we both qualified. Like September, like a week after our amateur s- season ended, go to Q school. You're sharp. Now a Canadian goes to Q school. It's got to be in April, after six months of finding a place to stay warm, basically. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we could that... talk about this forever. I'm sure I'll let you go. We've been jabbering on. I'm sure we can have you back on. And your phone's blowing up. Lots of. Did my picture go away on you? No. 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 Okay. No, no, your smiling face, the okay. slim yeah. and trim Brad Fritch, the new improved Brad Fritch is still there. <clears throat> but you're uh, you're blowing up now. We'll let uh, we'll let you go. We'll have you back on, I'm sure. Talk some more fun stories of the of yesteryear. And uh, I guess so for you, just we'll kind of end. You are. Corn, is Corn Ferry pretty much done for the year? Like, how many events are left? Uh, just this week. They're in Orlando at Orange County. Yeah. Um, and then a couple months off, and whether the Bahamas happens, whether Panama, Colombia happens next year, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I think they've done a pretty good job. You know, they've had a couple positive tests, but that's it. Yeah. Um, it just it seems like golf was right to come back and 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 just kind of you know they took it slow yeah uh, the, the testing is is pretty rigorous from what i understand i haven't played an event yet done a bunch of mondays um <laughs> the, the the first monday that i played we were able to take out the flag sticks and i'm like oh i haven't done this in you know four months this is fantastic i hear I've the only done it on a putting green <laughs> i hear the cup as the ball goes in this is great um because i spent four months putting with the flags and we're still putting the flags in, in my course yeah. right now. and it's fine like hey you need to your speed has to be really good um but just little you know little things that we don't even think about like oh my god i can rake a bunker um oh yeah there what actually was a monday i'll tell you a quick story it was a monday in Oh, where the hell was I? It doesn't matter where I was. Uh, Chicago, just outside Chicago. And uh, they said, all right, any bunker, it's just lift, clean in place. One club length. That's mm-hmm. what we're doing because they don't have rakes and bunkers in yeah. a lot of places. Um, I gave myself too good of a lie three times in a row. I didn't even think. <laughs> yeah. But well, let's get the perfect lie. Like, let's get it up there and under, you know, hit underneath it. Yeah. You know, just just gets out instead of you know hitting a really good bunker shot and i'm like oh you idiot like you don't need a perfect lie every time you don't need to tee it up yeah like give yourself a fly it's like when you play lip clean in place give yourself a flyer in the fairway like ooh, that looks real good yeah just just dumb stuff that you would not even you when's the last time i played around with my ball in the bunker yeah you know not ever so you're just kind of like ooh, good lie all right yes it's like practice. And you never hit one like this before. 
but yeah, Corn Ferry's done uh, after this week, and then it should start in January. So I just did Mondays most of the time. I played a few G Pro Tour events, which is the local mini tour in kind of North and South Carolina. Um, not a lot to do. I pulled some unemployment yeah. uh, in the March, April, May, June months. That was nice. Because you're so for the next Corn Ferry season, your status, you're still past champion. It's right? the same past champion. You know, if there's 400 guys that have status, I'm probably 340th on the list. But yeah, you get in, make a cut. All of a sudden, you're you know, you leapfrog 150 people who also. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. So just got to get in one. Um, unfortunately, the I had, I had a few sponsor exemptions possibly lined up this past year. And. Mm-hmm events were canceled because of covid so just is what it is <laughs> it is what it is yep. serenity that's right <laughs> <laughs> all right brad well thanks for hanging out we will let you go i'll uh, link your twitter down below because it's a great follow yeah. brad is a, a great follow on twitter good funny dry canadian humor it's and... the NHL draft tonight so i'm oh yeah what I what I live for is people who've never seen these kids play, but get really upset at the actual pick that their favorite team makes. Yeah. I love. Them. When do the Canes draft? When is their pick? Canes draft thirteen uh, sends obviously third and fifth. Yeah. And twenty eighth, I think. So it's a big day for our franchise. That's it. Big day. Knocks, I don't know where they are. We have so much. We whoever we draft is going to probably potentially win Rookie of the Year because that's basically the last three that's years for us. That's right. Somebody yeah. win the Calder Trophy nominations. Yep. All right, man. Well, thanks again and uh, enjoy. You've got probably got to take a big pee after those two Chick Fil A's. So I'm about one and a half done, but yes, I, I do, I do. And my kids have been tapping on the door for like ten minutes. Virtually schooling. Like, what are you doing? All right. Well, thanks, buddy. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did sitting down with Brad with my coffee and his Chick-fil-A cups. We had a good, good time, and I'm pretty sure you could tell in in that chat. Thank you so much for listening. Again, what's going on in the next couple of weeks? I don't even know. Let's, what's happening on the PGA Tour? Oh, this is Corn Ferry. I don't even know what the PGA Tour is coming, like what's coming up on the PGA Tour. I know the Masters is pretty soon. Oh, they're going over to... Huh. They're going over to um, Asia. Oh, no, they're not. These are the old events that were in. Oh, cool. So the CJ Cup's at Shadow Creek, so it's in Vegas. And the Zozo is at Sherwood. Pretty cool. So that's what's coming up. I'm going to Myrtle Beach next week, or this week. going to be filming a few videos there. Some a cool video for charity so stay stay tuned for that yeah and then we got bermuda then we got houston then we have the masters the masters is one month away hell yes i'm gonna leave you on that um yes thank you so much on the number episode four i'm your host andrew jensen signing off we'll see you in a couple weeks peace